good evening to you all again. Uh, it is good to be back uh, in the Lord's house this Lord's Day evening to study the Word of God once more together. And uh, tonight we are continuing our study and look at the book of Numbers. Uh, we have made it to Numbers chapter 13. So if you haven't already, be turning with me to Numbers chapter 13. And uh, we will start our scripture reading in verse 1, and we will read down through the entirety of the chapter, which is 33 verses. So, Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 1, we read, the word of God says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel, from each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. And so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names. The tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zachar. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Horai. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Miguel, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Altai, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Pediel, the son of Sodai. From the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamaliel. From the tribe of Asher, Sethur, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Boshi. From the tribe of Gad, Jeul, the son of Machai. These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up, into the, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds. And whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev name, came to Hebr- and came to Hebron, a hymen. Shishai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkel and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. And they also brought some pomegranates and figs. And that place was called the valley of Eshkel because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. 
At the end of forty days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. At Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb required the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we all are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him, said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land though which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw are in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who who come from the Nephilim. We seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Now will you go to the Lord in prayer with me once again this evening. Well, Heavenly Father, as we've just read, this is indeed your inerrant and infallible word. God, and in it you have granted to us all that we need for life, for godliness. And Father, I pray this evening that As we look at this text, that uh, our desire for you would grow deeper and deeper, that as we look at your word and meditate upon your word, that it would drive us to want to know more and more about you through your revealed word. And so, Father, we pray that you would continue to reveal more of yourself to us, and in so doing, that we would give you the honor and the glory and the worship that you deserve. And so, Father, grant us by your grace tonight eyes to see and ears to hear that we may Obey and comprehend that which you will say to us this evening through what you have already spoken in your word. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, tonight we are uh, continuing to look at the book of Numbers, and specifically our chapter as we've just read, uh, chapter 13. And we actually come to one of those crucial uh, passages of Scripture, and uh, specifically here a crucial passage uh, in the book of Numbers. And if you will remember with me, in chapter 10, uh, the Israelites, uh, the people of God, have finally left Israel. And in chapters 11 and 12, as we've looked at over the course of the past several weeks, uh, we are really beginning to see some of the things that the Apostle Paul uh, talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In chapter 10 of of 1 Corinthians, Paul describes murmurings and the complainings of the people of God, and he describes also their unbelief and the idolatry that the people of God uh, were involved in in the wilderness. And what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is he is exhorting the believers there to not be like the people of Israel uh, here that we will find in our text in these uh, three chapters, chapter 11, 12, and 13. And In chapters 11 and 12, uh, as we have read previously, uh, we read of 
where we start to see the Israelites, the people of God, right? They're complaining and their murmurings. And we also read of their rebellion, not only of the rebellion of the people of God, but of Moses' own family against his leadership. And tonight, here in chapter 13, we will look at together the unbelief, really, of the spies and those who were representatives of the people of Israel uh, who had been sent out to spy out the land that the Lord himself promised uh, to give them. Now, tonight as we dig into our text, uh, I want to, as I have done uh, with the previous text that I have covered, uh, I want to just give you an overview of what is going on in our text to help us to understand better what is taking place And then we will come back and look at a few points and some applicational points that I hope will be of benefit to us uh, here this evening. So, uh, as we look at the Word of God deeper together, uh, the first opening verses uh, of our passage, what we will find is we will find the uh, the sending uh, of the spies. And so what's taking place here is the Lord speaks to Moses, uh, telling him to send out men to spy out uh, the land. Verse 2, send men to spy out uh, the land of Canaan. And so these men were to go out and spy out the land. They were to observe the land and bring back a report of what they saw in the land. And verse 3 tells us Moses sent these spies according uh, to the command of the Lord. So this was the command of the Lord. This was the plan of God. This was the plan of Yahweh to send out these spies as a test uh, of Israel's faithfulness here. Then, in verses 4 through 16, a little lengthy there, what we'll find is the names of these men, these representatives, these spies uh, that were sent out. And uh, in verse 16, we find Moses uh, called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Well, Joshua was known as Hosea, meaning salvation, would later come to be known as Yahoshea, which means Yahweh is salvation. Uh, But Joshua would be the leader of this group, and so that brings us Now to verses 17 through 20 of our text. And in verses 17 through 18, we read, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. And so here Moses is commissioning the spies and giving them instructions on what to do and what to look for. And so... In verses 21 through 25, uh, we find that the 12 spies come uh, to the promised land. And so now the spies have been chosen, they have been commissioned, and now they go on their journey uh, to complete uh, their task, if you will. And that's what we find going on in verses uh, 21 uh, through 25. And according to verse 25, they were gone some 40 days. Uh, and then returned. And so they return, 
in verse 26 of our text. And they indeed confirm uh, what the Lord had promised that the land was. In verse 27, And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So it was a land flowing of milk and honey as the Lord uh, had promised. And in verse 28, what we see is, is what we'll find is a, is a transition uh, word. Um, in our text specifically, in the ESV translation, we will find it uh, known as however. Uh, in some translations, it is translated nevertheless. But what is happening uh, here is there is some doubt uh, in the spies as they are giving uh, their report. And so... What we see going on is, is, is this sort of, of monologue here. So despite God's faithful promise, uh, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Despite God's faithful promise, the cities are fortified and very large. And despite God's faithful promise, we saw the descendants of Anak, a, tr- a tribe of large men, in other words, there. Despite God's faithful promise, the, the Amalekites dwell there, the Amorites dwell there, and the Canaanites dwell there, and, and all the land is occupied, and there's no places that are not occupied. And so what a report, right? What a, a report. A report that, that recognizes the faithfulness of God's promises, the truth of His Word, and yet says despite all of that, gives the reasonings as we've just read. Interesting report, interesting a turn, transition, if you will, in our text. In verse 30, after that report had been given, and after some doubt, really, uh, in the spies and the representatives of the people of God, uh, what we come to in verse 30 is an objection, a faithful objection. Uh, a faithful objection given by Caleb himself. And so, in verse 30 we read, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And so, Caleb quiets the people of Israel before Moses and boldly commands uh, the people to immediately trust and obey Yahweh And take the land because Yahweh had made them able. We kind of of see a Romans 3, uh, 4 situation here, right? Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Let let God be true, though every one were a liar. And so in other words, Caleb is basically saying, despite what the spies are telling us, God has made a promise to us. And God will keep that promise. And so therefore, we can take this land. So Caleb gives a bold and he gives a faithful objection uh, to the uh, terrible, really, report uh, of the spies in the previous verses. But uh, what we come to in the closing verses of our text, uh, the spies had to respond. They had to respond to such an objection, a 
faithful objection from Caleb. And so that's what we'll find in these closing verses is, is their response uh, to Caleb's objection. Uh, and they basically are responding uh, to Caleb's objection uh, with rejection, uh, with an unbelieving response of some truth and lies and exaggeration. It was true for them to say they are stronger than we, but it was not true for them to say we are not able to go up against the people, which they said. It was true for them to say they had gone through the land, but it was not true for them to say a land that devours its inhabitants, which is what they said. And so in all these statements we find, uh, in these remaining verses, we find exaggerations and we find lies, but with some truth to them. And so that uh, ends our text uh, this evening with a little quick uh, overview of what's going on. But as I said earlier, I want to kind of look at a few things that I hope will be of benefit to us, some things that uh, I hope will instruct us, maybe even convict us, Um, but I pray that the Spirit of God will use His Word as we look at these things uh, tonight, and especially for those of us that claim to be in Christ, love Christ, and follow Christ, I think these are things we need to be reminded of, things we need to look to uh, as we look at our text tonight. So the first thing I want us to look at tonight um, is found in verses 1 through 16, and that is simply God's promises. God's promises. Now, in these verses, Moses reminds the people of Israel of God's promises. Uh, Now, there are some phrases here In the first three verses, again, verses 4 through 16 is just a naming uh, of the spies, of the representatives of the people of Israel. But in verses 1 through 3, there are some uh, phrases here I want us to look at that I really just don't want us to miss about our text this evening. And it's actually kind of extraordinary. Uh, If you'll notice with me the words in which the Lord is speaking to Moses here uh, in the appointing of the spies, and and here's what he says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying in verse 2, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. If you will notice, there is not a question mark at the end of that phrase, there is not uh, any Uh, things signifying uh, that this is a questionable statement from the Lord to Moses. No, this is a promise. He says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving uh, to the people of Israel. So these are statements, and the Lord is saying through Moses to the people that the land belongs to you, People of Israel, the land belongs to you because I am going to give it to you. 
And as the spies are to go out and spy out the land, that no matter what they see, the word of the Lord spoken through Moses should continue to be ringing over and over and over in their minds. This is the land that I, the Lord, am giving you. And so they should, in a sense, be spying out the land through the lenses of the promises of God and remembering the promises of God. And friends, I think that is a tremendous point that we should do the same. We should, we ourselves are called to act on God's promises, right? And yet so often we find ourselves doing the same things that the people of Israel did in our text, right? We see, we see the obstacles that we come to in life and we see them bigger than God and his promises, and we forget, in a sense, his promises. And so we approach those obstacles and those challenges and those situations as if they really are bigger than God himself and and his promises. But what we should be doing is approaching those very situations with faith in the promises of God, knowing he is sovereign over everything and that God's promises Yea and amen in Christ. Amen. Friends, let's not be like the Israelites here and forget, in a sense, the promises of God, but let us remember the promise that God has made because He is a covenant keeping God and He is faithful to keep His promises. Amen. Not because of us or anything in the people of God, but because he himself is good. He himself is faithful, and he does it all for his glory. So Moses points us to God's promises. Moses points the people of Israel to God's promises. Nextly, look at it with me together. Moses points the people of God to God's faithfulness, to God's faithfulness. And we can find that in verses 17 through 22 of our text. So Moses draws the people's attention, and he draws our attention here tonight to the promises of God, and now he is drawing our attention to God's faithfulness in keeping those promises. So it's not, it's not just that God has made promises, but that he is actively fulfilling those very promises. Now, at first glance, uh, at these verses, it may on the surface cause us to question, how can we see God's faithfulness here? How can we see God's faithfulness in these verses? Well, let's ask this question. Where did the spies go? It's a good question. They went, our text tells us, from Negev up into the hill country of Hebron, which is what verse 22 will later tell us. So what, what then, that then leads us to another question. So what then is so important about Hebron? It's another good question. Well, it is the highest part of the land. You can see all around it which makes for a great strategic point, really. Um, 
but there was something else that's significant about this spot here at Hebron. Uh, the graves of Abraham and Sarah were there. Interesting. In Genesis uh, chapter 23, we read of Abraham buying land to bury his wife, Sarah. And in Genesis chapter 23, verse 19, we read this. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Malkapella, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And in Genesis chapter 25, Verses 7 through 10, we read this. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Verse 8. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, and an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre. The field, verse 10, that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There, Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. And so what's so significant about this place that the spies, the representatives of the people of God were going was that the one whom God 400 years prior had given a promise to Abraham saying, I am going to make you the father of many nations. I am going to make your descendants like the sand of the seashore, like the stars in the sky, and I am going to give you this land. So the very place that the people, that the spies of Israel were going, was going to be the burial site of Abraham, the very one whom God promised, he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and I'm going to make your descendants like the sand of the seashore, and like the stars in the sky, and I'm going to give you this land. Now, half of that promise has already been fulfilled, and when these spies had reached Hebron, they got to the land there, and when they got there, they really should have been overwhelmed. They should have been overwhelmed with a sense of awe and how that the God of Israel, Yahweh, had already shown to be faithful to His promise. That 400 years earlier, few, 70 few went into Egypt and now 2 million are coming out and getting ready to possess the land that the Lord had promised them. And so God, Moses is pointing the people of God here that He has already been faithful to His promises before them, and they didn't even see it. They didn't even recognize it. Instead, they saw what was before them, and they was afraid, and they said, despite God's promises and His faithfulness to those promises, look at all of this. Look at all that's taking place. The sons of Anak are there. The land is occupied. Look at all of these things that are there. Instead of looking at God's promises and God's faithfulness to keep His promises, Friends, may we not make the same mistake. 
may we continually be reminded of God's faithfulness. That He will fulfill the very promises that He made. And that He is faithful in doing so even before our very eyes. His promises are being fulfilled. And that's what's happening here to the people of Israel. God's promises are being fulfilled before their very eyes and yet they're oblivious to them because of their sin. Finally and lastly, let's look together to God's power. And we'll find that uh, in verses uh, 31 through 33 of our text. So, as we looked at earlier, verses 31 through 33, right, the majority of the spies uh, had reported that there are big people in the land. The sons of Anak are to be large men. And we are munchkins, really, in comparison to them. And I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that that may have been true. Um, But I don't think that God's purpose in sending the spies into the land was for them to come back with this kind of report. As this would be a piece of cake. As we can do this. The proper response should have been instead of coming back with a unbelieving report, instead of coming back with a report that says, we know the promises of God, yet despite all of this, this is what we're seeing, instead of coming back with a report of of excuses, really, this should have been their response. This, This is too big for us. God will do it. He is sovereign. And he is going to display his power because this is way too big for us. And we know that his promises and his power will prevail, not because of us, but because of him. And this thing is not going to be about us, but about the display of the glory and the power and the sovereignty of God, because this is too big for us. But their problem was that is that they didn't respond like that. Instead, they magnified their problems, and in so doing, what happened is they minimized the power of God. And what they should have done was minimize the problems and acknowledge and magnify the power of God to overcome all of those problems. That's what their response should have been. Instead, they magnified the problem rather than looking to their God who had already made a promise to them, who was actively fulfilling his promises. And they should have looked to him and said, Lord, we know that all this stuff is there, but we remember. So, Lord, we know that you are powerful enough to overcome all of these, what looks like stumbling blocks. 
know that you are powerful enough to overcome them. Not because of us, but because you yourself are faithful and good and great. That should have been the Israelites' response. And instead, it wasn't. And friends, that in itself is a lesson for us. And so, this evening, I warn us, as Paul warned the believers at Corinth, let us not be like the people of Israel. Let us not be like the people of Israel who didn't look to God's promises, who didn't look to God's faithfulness, who didn't magnify. But instead, let us be a a people, a very people that embraces those truths, a people that remembers the promises of God, a people that knows that God is faithful to his promises. Why? Because his word tells us that. Let us be a people who magnify his power, recognizing his sovereignty over all things. And let us put our trust in him. Let us not put, let us not doubt when we come to circumstances and situations in our lives where we, that we think are, are too big, even too big for God. Let us not do that. But instead, let's, let's, let's approach those circumstances, let's approach those situations realizing that God is bigger than them, God's promises is bigger than them. And our faith is not in what we can do, but it's in what God has done and what God will do. And friends, all of these truths, God's promises, God's faithfulness, and God's power, is ultimately, I think, shown in the person and work of Christ. promised the Messiah would come. God was faithful to fulfill that promise. And God's power in salvation is shown through the preaching of that promise. Amen. Let us not Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this privilege that we have, this opportunity that we get each and every week to come, to look at your word, to look at your promises, to look at your faithfulness, and to see your power. Father, we thank you. All of those truths are truths that we can rely on, truths that we can embrace because you indeed are a faithful God. And so Lord, help us tonight to glean from this passage to not be like the people of Israel as Paul warns the believers at Corinth, but 
Lord, help us to embrace those very truths. Help us to look to Christ. Help us to embrace Christ ever the more. Lord, that when we look to Christ, we will indeed see that not only are you a God who makes promises, but you are a God who is faithful to your promises, and you indeed show your very power through that. So, Lord, we thank you once again for Christ, for his work on the cross on our behalf, for his resurrection and wherein we find hope. Father, we pray all of this in his name, who is our all-sufficient prophet, priest, and king.